As the economy struggles, with an unemployment rate of over 8%, the demand for physician assistance is at an all-time high. Are PAs recession-proof? You are listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Cindy Lord. Cindy is the president of the American Academy of Physician Assistants and the program director of the Physician Assistant Program at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. Today we are discussing the thriving PA profession despite the current economic recession. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Lisa. Thank you very much for having me. Our pleasure. Cindy, the PA profession is getting a lot of attention as a very solid place to be in our difficult economy and job market. Are PAs recession-proof? I'd like to say that our profession is a solid profession, that physician assistants are a key and an integral part of our healthcare delivery system today and moving into the future. To say we're recession-proof, it's nice to hear that. I'd like to think that we are mobile and we're flexible and able to fit into the system, but I never take anything for granted. But our job market has stayed very stable, and there are jobs for PAs and increasing jobs for PAs, so that's a good sign. As an internal medicine PA, I've experienced many patients that are having difficulty paying their medical bills, and many of them have lost their health insurance. Do you think that this current demand for PAs is driven mostly by specialty practice? Actually not. Even though an increasing number of our new graduates are seeking employment and are employed in areas of specialty, still 30 to 40 percent of PAs nationally practice in primary care So that would be family medicine, pediatrics, obstetrics, gynecology, and medicine, your primary care type of areas. But I think that there's a need all over. If you look at access to care, and you could even use the Massachusetts model, which has now had a universal health care plan pass, even if everyone in Massachusetts, and they haven't yet, but if everyone in Massachusetts were to take advantage of that opportunity to have access to care, there would not be enough providers in that state as it stands to take care of everyone. So I think that even though some of our new grads are going into those areas, because there are needs and opportunities, there are huge opportunities and demands in primary care, and our profession continues to try and fill those that workforce issue. Well, there are currently 73,000 PAs, and that number is growing by 5,000 a year. There are new PA programs that are continuing to open, and the existing PA programs are expanding. Is this current rate of growth sustainable? It will be if as part of this health care reform package, which should not just look, I mean, obviously heavy emphasis on patients and getting access, but we have to go backwards and drill back into our educational models. Now, of course, The PA model of education is a very unique one and actually should probably be considered as leaders in medical education because we're able to put practitioners into the field in still 27 to 36 months, which is a short period of time. We have to look at how we educate physician assistants and the need for clinical training sites as well as qualified educators for PA education is going to be equally important to be able to sustain the growth. We have numbers of applicants and each of us turn good qualified people away each year because we need to maintain the quality at which we train and educate members to become physician assistants. Let's talk about the curriculum. How has the PA curriculum changed since the first class at Duke in 1967? And are the programs striving to meet the needs of the next generation of PAs? Well, Lisa, that's an interesting question, and thank you for asking. 
it's interesting because there is a core fund of knowledge, medicine, which continues to be the core of our educational process. However, as you know, medicine has changed over the years with more technology and our ability to keep patients alive longer and healthier, that they're able to live a happier, healthier life and with major comorbidities has required PA's educational model to increase. So sometimes you feel like you're putting 20 pounds of sugar in a five-pound bag, but we're able to do that because of the type of individual we accept to PA school. Most have had a very strong science background. If they weren't a science major, a biological science major, they have a strong science background with their prerequisites, and many still have a significant amount of medical experience prior to coming to PA school. But you've seen us address areas like genomics and genetics, more of the holistic approach, so prevention, wellness, counseling, all of those kinds of topics, as well as specialty areas, orthopedics, advanced surgical procedures and knowledge in the surgical subspecialties as even entry-level training to get a basic fund of knowledge that allows PAs to come out as generalists and go into any area of medicine. So we've built upon the model from the 1960s. We've addressed the needs of our nation as medicine has changed and as the needs of our nation has changed. So it's an evolving process and we'll continue to address those needs as we move forward. So, Cindy, what does the Obama administration's approach to health care reform mean for the future of the PA profession? I think it's good for the PA profession. Remember, our whole goal as a profession, our whole meaning, the reason we came to be, was to better serve the needs of the patients of our country. There were lack of access to care back in the 60s, 70s, and that's how our profession came to be. And so everything we do as a profession continues to be focused around the patient. So if we look at patient care and the need for access and affordability, our role as PAs will continue to strengthen. We are the heart of the patient-centered medical home. Our ability to move into areas of medicine where there's need is so important. As a profession, we have been able to fill gaps and voids where they existed from the very beginning, which were underserved areas, maybe more rural areas, to today, even areas of specialty. As more people are living longer, as I said, with more comorbidities, the specialists have more patients and technology and their demands are greater. So PAs have been able to shift there. If you look at the workforce, when the resident, the decrease in resident hours for safety issues, when that came about, PAs were able to fill in and you see PAs in that hospitalist role now. So I anticipate and predict that that's going to continue to happen as we look at reform. So we are key players in the reform process that's taking place. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Cindy Lord. Cindy is the president of the American Academy of Physician Assistants and the program director of the Physician Assistant Program at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. Today, we are discussing the thriving PA profession despite the current economic recession. So, Cindy, how is the American Academy of Physician Assistants growing to meet the needs of the expanding and changing PA profession? Well, we're approaching this in kind of a multifaceted mechanism, looking at advanced education for PAs, continuing medical education once they've graduated as a PA, to assisting 
our partner organizations. When we talk about the PA profession, we really talk about our certifying agency, the NCCPA, our accrediting body, the ARCPA, our educational arm, PAEA, and the professional arm, AAPA. All of us, all those four organizations make up our profession. So working together to provide the skills and the knowledge and advanced knowledge and skills that are needed by PA. So CME opportunities. Our advocacy program through the AAPA, our Advocacy and Government Affairs Division, to make sure that PAs are able to practice at the maximum of their scope of practice within their state licensure is important so that PAs can do what they need to do at state level and nationally. If, for example, if you look at the Veterans Administration, the VA hospital system, they are the largest single employer of PAs with close to 2,000 PAs in the system throughout the country. And at the current time, their ability to practice in many areas is limited because of federal regulations and interpretations of rules. And when you look at the increasing number of veterans, men and women in the military coming back from service who need care, advanced care, their families need care, it's going to be important for PAs to be able to practice at the max of their scope of practice. So advocacy and government affairs is another very important area for us. Research, another important area to be able to demonstrate the value of PAs in areas like safety and access to care, quality of care. So helping to develop some best practice models are things where the academy is putting a lot more time, effort, and financial resources so that we can approach you know, healthcare reform and what needs to happen for our profession in all aspects, not just one aspect. How do you see the PA's scope of practice changing moving forward? You know, PAs have always practiced as part of a team, a physician-led team, and that model has served us well, and as a matter of fact, has been suggested that other groups and even in areas like business look at that model, that team model. And certainly if you look at the joint principles of the patient-centered medical home that's supported by the AMA and the AAFP and AAP, when you talk about the patient-centered medical home, those joint principles are the root of our profession. And so it's important that we continue in that team model. That's how medicine needs to be practiced. And so I think, if anything, we're going to be the model of care there, and it will expand. Now, that doesn't mean that PAs don't think independently and autonomously within their practice, within their institution, in rural areas where the PA may be the only practitioner in that small town. And thankfully for telecommunication and electronic, whether it's the Internet or web-based and video conferencing, the ability to have communication with our physician team member is important. And as we move forward, the electronic medical record, which will connect all of us if we perfect this. A few bumps now, but when that eventually becomes a smoother process and we're all on electronic medical record, I think you'll see the scope of practice just enhanced. We're not looking to be a silo and be on our own. We're looking to be the model for this is how medicine should be practiced in this country. Well, as we gain the confidence of patients across the United States and the world, there are two words that I think are misunderstood by patients. One is supervision and one is assistant. How can we change those two words so it gives the patients confidence and reflects the current knowledge of the physician assistant? And you know, Lisa, those have been issues or have been challenges, as I like to say. They've been challenges for a number of years, but I actually think it's opportunity. It's how we have defined ourselves. 
to continue to say PAs practice under the supervision of a physician. The bottom line is PAs practice medicine. We work in that team model of a physician-led team. So I think it's important, and the Academy has spent a lot of time and financial resources, we are spending that now to make sure we continue to educate patients about what that means. The word assistant, it's what's in the word. As we have become a profession now that's no longer new, we're you know, for 40 years into our profession, and people know who we are and to continue to educate our patients, but our patients continue to educate others. Our physician colleagues continue to educate the patients about it's what we do. It's not the name as much as what's behind the name. So I think our ability to define ourselves in the way we present ourselves to the public through the media and through our patients, so whatever the public may be to employers, et cetera, how we define ourselves, as well as as we're moving forward to develop these best practice models and be part of that, that will define us. And I think the issue, the challenge of the word supervision and the challenge of the word assistant will be a moot point because people will see how we practice medicine. Let's talk about the PA-physician relationship And how has this changed over the years? Well, it's certainly enhanced. And again, as the complexity of our patient has increased and as technology has increased, both the physician and the PA and other health professionals have increased their knowledge and skills. So what you see as a relationship from a PA, and even within, let's use a model of myself. When I first entered medicine 20 years ago, the relationship with my physician as a new graduate, so you develop trust and a relationship and a rapport, but simultaneously as medicine has continued to change and advance and become more complex, our relationship has built upon that. We have trust, we have experience together as a team, and so I think it's been lovely to watch how that trust has increased and the level of practice of medicine within my scope of practice has been enhanced and advanced because of that relationship. It's a close relationship, but yet as things have changed in medicine, our relationship has advanced. So I think you'll continue to see that. We see that with physicians all across the country as they take their PAs to their medical meeting or send them to advanced skills training or go to their hospital administration and say, here's why the PAs are qualified to do this and it should be part of their credentialing and privileging. So we're seeing that advancement, which is nice. Thank you, Cindy, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.